It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hey there, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This week, we are officially less than 270 hours away from the draft. I think I saw on Twitter today. Tiger Woods won his first major since 2008 and his first master since 2005. And you know what else happened to a Tiger-related thing in 2005? Carson Palmer's knee got blown up on an otherwise Super Bowl-ready Bengals team. Where were you when that happened? I was at my grandpa's house, grandparents' house. We were watching the game there, and yep. and as soon as that happened, I don't think I, I I watched the rest of the game like in and out of rooms, but I knew there was no way. Like even when they were winning, you, yeah. you knew there's no. It was way. like almost like a dream state, right? How you kind of were just like living through it, like a car crash, like it, you were in shock. You were just kind of oh, like, yeah. you know, the it, whole time. If even if they pull it off, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You know that they probably will. Be shorthanded, even though we, I think everyone at the time still liked John Kitna. I was in Atlanta at my dad's house. Didn't hit me nearly as hard as 2015. 2015 the, absolutely ripped my heart out. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they had the game won. I feel I was similar. devastated. There was a party happening at my house. Oh, and, really? and I was watching the game. Nobody else, because I'm in Canada, right? And nobody out here really cares about football. So I'm watching the game by myself in my room, like about to be stoked, going to go get wasted at this party, have a great time. And then heartbreak. Yeah. I. Anyway, let's. I, let's... I, I, well, I, I was just going to add one thing that popped in my mind while thinking of 25, or 25 2005. Yeah. yeah. Um, was that was Vince Young, Matt Lionert, Rose Bowl, like the day or a couple of days before or after, and uh, that was a that was a great game. And I think that was the same year. I'm just going off memory because I think that was the same same trip down to Atlanta. Oh yeah, yeah, that Vince Young Rose Bowl was something. Yeah, he looked incredible. I thought yep. he was going to be amazing. I won Rookie of the Year. And then he got ruined by the Marvin Lewis version of the Titans. We can just call him Jeff Fisher. We can. Uh, so game of thrones is also back tonight we're recording on sunday of course and i'm very excited and joe has never watched game of thrones did you see at least the the logo that the bengals put out today the cool game of thrones stylized tiger i did not yeah i that sounds great i think i guess i'll take your word for it you know me you can see my my office and game room behind me jake everyone else can't i nerd out on a lot of things I think I would really like Game of Thrones. I just, you know how it is. I'm watching The Office for the first time right now. So, wow. um, yeah, I just sometimes I just, 
I Sometimes spend so much time about a decade behind everybody else. And... So, yeah. Sometimes that happens. I think I just get so focused or narrowed into whatever I'm doing that outside things just pass me by. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that probably happens to anybody, but you said you had questions, right? Like this is, this is a cultural moment today for, for a couple of reasons, right? Like Tiger winning his first major since 2008. That's huge. Culturally that for the United States, the amount of people involved in that, that don't usually give any cares about golf is, right. is hot. I, I haven't watched a whole masters tournament in, in probably a decade. And I watched every hole Tiger played. We'll have it on a lot of times at work and on one of the TVs on when I'm on weekends. And, I, you know, if a crazy shot happens, I'll notice it. And be like, oh, that was, that's cool. I haven't golfed in about two years now. Uh, I'll do it once in a while. But, yeah, Tiger's cool and the story is cool. And, you know, especially because everyone thought he was he was done. And I, you, you hear the narrative after of, is this the greatest, like, career comeback you've ever seen? And man, it has to be right. I, I just thinking about it. All the old guys at work were like, "No, no, it's not." Come on, they're naming all these people. I can't tell you anything about in all sports. And I'm like, "Nah, for maybe it's just our generation. Then maybe it's us. Maybe it's seeing him be the best of all time to getting, you know, not making cuts to coming back and winning it at, at his age. I mean, that's it's it was special. I mean, he was crippled. He couldn't get out of bed. He had, his, he had his spine fused. He won. I mean, he won his last major, obviously, on a torn ACL, which is mind-blowing in the first place. And then to come back 11 years later, somebody on Twitter today made the analogy that was like, this is like Brett Favre coming out of retirement to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Anyway. Is this like John Elway going originally to the Super Bowl and then not again until his final two years? Is yeah, that, it could is, be. Is that like a comparable... But now yeah. without without getting crushed and beaten and out of the sport for like a year or two, right? Without having his career in doubt, right? Like without because yeah. because Tiger when he came back from the spinal fusion, he said his first drive he hit was ninety yards. He was afraid to swing a golf club. I wonder. Yeah, this would have to take some thought of what a comparable would be like if somebody like really having this would be like if Ryan Shazier comes back in five years and wins defensive player of the year or yeah. just you know just on the team for the super bowl either way that'd be amazing right and and he's playing and, at a high level yeah tiger wasn't that bad i think just coming back and making it on a team for shazier would be would be similar i guess so big day for tiger woods fans big day for game of thrones fans except not a big day for you joe except for this podcast of course and i have some questions before we move on uh, you know about game of thrones maybe you can answer them surface level stuff um, I see dragons. I see some frost giant looking guys that I assume are bad guys. Um, I see a lot of people claiming different houses or whatever that means. I think it looks like last names or families. What is the goal? What is going on? Just surface level. Don't give me details because I plan on watching it. Everyone tells me I'll like it. Um, what is it? What it, What is it about? All right. The high level, Joe, is there's a bunch of families that after the king dies, think that they are the rightful heir to the throne of the seven kingdoms of Westeros. And what and, makes them the rightful heir, though? How well, do they have- that's part of the show. I'm not going to get oh, into okay. the detail, right? So there are all these people that think that they're the rightful king or queen. And then there's this other existential threat of ice zombies from the north that is part of, you know, the old history that's apparently happened before, but everyone's kind of forgotten about or doesn't believe. It's kind of like an old fairy tale. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now, which is all those humans fighting for the crown coming to a head. 
at the same time that this existential threat from the north winter quote unquote has has descended upon the rest of Westeros. Okay. So, without getting all... into it in detail, that's so the they, overarching story. They're basically just fighting for it and now we get to is this the last episode or last season? Last season. Okay, so this is the start of the last season. But the last season, they're they're like cinematic length episodes. The first couple I, episodes are like 52, 58 minutes, but after that, they're an hour, 20 minutes each for the last five episodes. Yeah, I heard that. And the budget was crazy, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Reading. It's nuts. Well, that's cool. That is, is interesting. Cool. I, I, I plan on watching it. The, there day. are reasons to criticize Game of Thrones that exist. And there it depends on, like, if you're a book reader, you're going to have different criticisms than somebody who, you know isn't a book reader, whatever. It, it, but most people enjoy it. My parents are watching it, you know? Like, my parents like it. Uh, has a universal appeal, I think, is what I'm trying to say there. Who reads books, right? I like books. Oh. Then go books. Moving on. We <laughs> had a couple of landslides over the weekend in our Mock Madness bracket. Devin White and Dwayne Haskins just absolutely wiping out Andre Dillard and Drew Locke, respectively. Many of you weren't even sure that Andre Dillard is the best offensive tackle in the class, which is fair. Some of you specifically say that Jawan Taylor is probably going to be the best tackle in three years. Others say Jonah Williams. Others even said Dalton Reisner. I think that they might be pointing to you, Joe, and, and Dalton Reisner. The QB Reisner's divide. Good. The QB divide much clearer. 1,079 votes. That's our most popular poll so far. And like 88 or, or something percent of you wanted Dwayne Haskins more than you want uh, Drew Locke. You want the Very system clear. guy. Yeah. You guys want you guys want Andy Dalton potentially 2.0 instead of Jay Cutler. And I still don't know what I would pick out of those. I just, you know, I in, in terms of type-wise, I think uh, obviously they're different prospects than, than those comparisons, even though the comparisons I think are legit. Um, it's I, I was more, it's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was surprised at how how big of a landslide that actually turned out to be. Uh, because I think stylistically, people want the opposite end of spectrum when it comes to Andy Dalton right now, right? They just, yeah. some. I think I thought people would like, uh, you know, give me something completely different. And I think that would be Drew Locke. So. It, it might have been more interesting if we had put Haskins against Murray. I mean, Murray's going to be gone, so? so we didn't. So we didn't do it that way. But I wonder. I wonder how that would have been. Maybe. Maybe we can do that one for fun. Just. just I don't think I would later. have accepted the results. I think. That, I think there have been too many Ohio State fans that may have, um, and because we haven't talked recently, definitely not in the last month about Murray seriously so it's hard I think people have started to create connections with some of these guys right that happens and because we haven't talked about Murray I think that this that that poll could go towards Haskins it could it could I mean in in the episode in which we talk about it I'm gonna I'm gonna say how much better I think Murray is but that is neither here nor there and today your Ohio State biases if you have them do not matter unless you just choose to abstain from voting I guess today it's a matchup of a couple of athletes, and I mean athletes from Michigan in defensive linemen. I don't know where exactly you slot him. Most likely he'll be drafted to play on the edge, Rashawn Gary, and off-ball linebacker Devin Bush. Yeah, two good Michigan prospects. Uh, I would say Gary definitely probably leads, or could Gary could get drafted earlier than, than Devin Bush because I think 
premium position as a pass rusher, right? And number two, oh, extremely high recruit. I want to say he was even the number one defensive recruit coming out of high school. And he never really produced 34 games played, 23 tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks in his career. Five and a half was the most he ever had in a, in a full season. So the production numbers for him are barely over middle range to average, uh, if depending on where you look. 21 years old, 6'4", 277, tested like a freak that everyone knew he was coming out. Uh, relative athletic score at a 9.94. So extremely elite athlete. He could immediately contribute probably everywhere on the defensive line in, in different positions. He wouldn't play nose tackle, but from three tech to, to edge, he would yeah. be able to play. He'd be able to back all those up probably right away if the Bengals draft him in, in year one. He, like you said, had an outstanding athletic profile at the combine, especially when it comes to burst and speed. Ridiculous straight line speed for a guy of his weight and ridiculous bursts also for a guy of his, of his weight. Above, above average in agility and strength testing, good size for defensive end. If you were to switch that over to defensive tackle, the numbers change a little bit. Uh, his strength doesn't line up as well, but his agility, his burst, his speed look a little bit better. Uh, so if, if you think he's a better three tech than defensive end, then you know, you're contending with a lighter weight similar to Ed Oliver. Uh, and, and this is probably even more of a produ- uh, projection because like you said, Joe, he doesn't hit the productivity thresholds from gym metrics for solo tackling sacks or tackles for a loss. And those are the most predictive metrics for defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. PFF has him graded much better as a run defender than a pass rusher. And along with that, in line with that, his pass rushing productivity ranks 36th in the class and his run stop percentage was seventh in the class. So run stop percentage, pretty good run defense grade, pretty good pass rush grade, pretty bad pass rush productivity. Also pretty bad, especially I think when you compare him to his teammate, Chase Winovich, who came in at fit 25th in pass rushing second in run stopping with better grades in both categories across the board for the last two years. People have asked us, is there a similar player to Gary that tested like a freak, especially on the defensive line, but didn't really have the college production, uh, and someone said to me, I believe last weekend after we answered this on the mailbag, uh, they said, what about Daniil Hunter who went in the third round? I want to say, I or said Daniil Hunter during the podcast. Oh, was it you? Maybe I'm just crossing my streams here. Anyways, um, Daniil Hunter and the thing about, I, I checked on Daniil Hunter is where I wanted to go with this and his tackle share and tackle for loss share was much higher. And so he, it's probably not a good comparable, uh, to him. Although that would be the hope I would say. I, I kind of think of him how I thought of Jadavion Clowney. Now, Clay, Clowney's production was even higher also. But I think of it because Clowney never had high sack numbers. And even in the NFL now, he's more of a versatile defensive athlete that you can move around and create havoc with at a bunch of different positions. And I think that's what you would hope for Rashawn Gary. He may never be a 10-sack guy. He may always be like a 6-8 to eight sack guy the way Justin Smith was uh, and be a really good run defender that can move all across your defensive line. So, he will have the position value. I wouldn't be surprised if he still went between six and and twelve or six and fifteen. I think is probably a, a more fair range. Uh, the Giants right there at, at six, I think, makes some sense if they're ready to pull the trigger that early. And the Bengals have had a visit with Rashawn Gary as well. He's obviously, as we've discussed, there's a bit of boomer bust to him, but he has premium upside at a premium position. And even if he is, you know. I think I think his probably best case is Jadavion Clowney as a pro because he's been very, very good. 
But if he if he has Jadavion Clowney outside or Justin Smith outside, those are both premier, premier defenders in the NFL. And that's what you're hoping for, right? That's what you're hoping for, especially if you're drafting him in the top 10. Our opposition to Rashawn Gary is his teammate, Devin Bush, who if the Bengals were to draft Devin Bush, he likely steps in and is a day one starter. And if he's not, oh, yeah. well, then you have some problems because that means Jordan Evans or Hardy Nickerson or... I don't even know. Somebody if else came in and beat him. If you draft a linebacker at number 11, off the ball linebacker at 11, he better be starting or we he riot. Be starting. Yeah. Likely an immediate starter at a position the Bengals need. So those are things in Devin Bush's favor for sure. He did take a step back, according to PFF, as a run defender in 2018, but he did get much better in coverage as well and is consistently graded as a good blitzer. And I think when you watch Devin Bush, you'll see good coverage for him sideline to sideline without much depth in his coverage responsibilities. You don't see him very often. And I asked on Twitter, if you guys have games where, where, where Devin Bush had to carry the seam and you can actually see what happens, I would love to see him. I think I saw it happen. I've seen it happen like three times in the games I've watched. You see him running sideline to sideline, chasing running backs into the flats, beating blockers to the point of attack on screen plays often. And that's very valuable, but you don't see him getting depth and covering hook curls, slants, seam routes from tight ends in the middle of the defense. And that's what I, that's my big question on Devin Bush's coverage abilities, but graded well in coverage, at least in 2018 for pro football focus. And like Rashawn Gary, like Devin white, Devin white is one of Devin Bush's top comparables for off ball linebackers in terms of athletic profile, especially because they're five eleven, six foot. They're both short. Uh, Devin white, I think we've talked about on the podcast is a little bit denser. He's got a little bit more weight to him for his height, but he's, he's considered undersized for sure compared to historic off ball linebackers coming in at third percentile for height. And that is, I think a risk. Devin, right? Devin Bush. Yeah. Yes. When we start to talk about being able to, to see the running back and, and we talked about this. I don't remember what linebacker it was. We were talking about this with, Maybe it was Devin White, where where I thought he lost eye discipline and sometimes would lose track of the ball carrier. And and you don't see that as much with Devin Bush. Maybe he wasn't subject to as much deception from his opponents, but that could be an issue for him as motion and deception and yeah. counter movement becomes more popular in the NFL as it's adopted from the college game. You know when you see it with Bush is when a lineman gets in front of him or on top of him. And I think he struggles with it a little more than Devin White because Bush is more of a physical, wants to make contact, shed the guy instead of avoiding the guy. And because he's 5'11", you got a 6'4", 6'5", lineman coming up on you. He It really messes with his vision then. Whereas White is more of a guessing in his reads uh, and just wanting to attack and, and chase. Bush is more um, physical, calculated, but yeah. because of the, because of his short height, and not in comparison with White, because White's short also, I think in comparison with the average linebacker, 5'11", gets him in trouble a little bit. But we've talked a lot about Bush before. I mean, yeah. people should be familiar with Bush and his positives. We're not trying to knock him down and make Gary no. sound good. Uh, I think this is going to – this this poll is going to go uh, the way we expect it, but we're just trying to at least make it a fair fight here. Just acknowledging that – Rashawn Gary is seen by many as a top 10 type prospect and Devin Bush until the combine was, you know, well, he'd be there in the second round and, yeah. and then he ran a four, four, three and that and he jumped 40 inches and that went out the window. Oh, his complete athletic profile was great. Yeah. Everything. So 
The, that's our matchup today. We're down to one a day. Now that we have a little bit more breathing room between now and the draft, we have, I think, nine episodes after this. Uh, the ninth of those will be draft day. So that's kind of exciting, right? Avengers uh, Endgame Day, you mean? I'm seeing it Friday. Okay. Well, I hope I'm seeing it Friday. That's what my friends and I are talking about. Anyway, that's that's the only matchup today. Tomorrow we'll finish it out. We'll finish out the first round with Clellan Farrell and Montez Sweat, a couple of edge guys, edge pass rushers. And then we'll get on to the second round and some of the matchups maybe we'll get a little bit closer, maybe not. Maybe Maybe you guys are just very sure about your hierarchy of things and we won't have a close vote. That being said, it is Mock Draft Monday. We're going to take a quick break. And today, it'll be a dueling draft. Joe and I will make maybe different picks. And we're going to go through four rounds on FanSpeak, where there is an updated composite board. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is Mock Draft Monday. Really, we only have one more after this Mock Draft Monday. We are that close to the real thing. I'm excited. I know you are. Uh, This time, we got a good suggestion on Twitter. Someone said we should do dueling mocks, all right? So when we get to our pick, basically, when the Bengals are on the clock at 11, Jake's going to make his pick. I'm going to make my pick. We're going to try to not you know, can convert or converse with each other and discuss it, even though we can discuss our picks before we've, we used a collaborative effort as if we were in the war room. Now this is going to be who has the best draft out of Jake and I. And here we go. We're going to let it roll. Am I picking first? Is that going to be the way it works? Well, we can go back and forth. So you can pick first in the first round. I'll pick uh, first in the second, and then you get third. I got fourth. Oh man. It's so hard already. It's so hard already. So we're on the clock here in in round one now as the Bengals. And my choices come down to Ed Oliver, TJ Hawkinson, Dwayne Haskins. And it's really only hard, uh, Devin Bush. And it's really only hard because I really want Ed Oliver. And I also want Dwayne Haskins. And then the positions of need, Devin Bush, TJ Hawkinson. So do I want to take the quarterback? See, here's my thing. I, I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. I don't think he's the future. And okay. so because I don't think Dwayne Haskins is a future and I think Ed Oliver has Geno Atkins level upside and will be able to step in right away, will be a, a three down kind of player. Yep. I'm, I'm Ed Oliver here. And that's fine because uh, I am also Ed Oliver. We're not going to get a dueling first round here because this is the scenario, right? People have been asking recently, uh, how about this guy or this guy? This guy versus that guy. When, when I talk on Twitter, people always pit two or three guys together and tell me to pick one. In many of those cases, almost all of them, it's never a blue chip player. If you look at this board, ranked number four is Ed Oliver. He's still available at 11. We've seen some mocks where he's been available at 11. If he is on draft day and the Bengals do not draft Ed Oliver, this is going to be a very fired up podcast that night. And um, Even if so, they pick Dwayne Haskins instead? Listen, I will come back to, well, here. here's what it would come down to. 
if Haskins is really good and saves them money and gets them to another step, yeah, then you made the right pick because the yep. quarterback over everything. Quarterback yep. over everything. If you believe he's a franchise quarterback, do it. Don't look back and let's roll. But me, but I guess I neither of us do. Exactly. I wouldn't take Haskins. Now, I would take Haskins if there wasn't a blue chip player left. Yeah. Because I would think the risk is worth the reward at a position that really, they've the way they've filled their roster, most of these guys you draft, other than Devin Bush, isn't walking into a starting job in 2019. So your right. roster doesn't get much better with any of these picks, other than depth and someone else getting hurt and a few plays here or there. Uh, so for me, that would be the biggest upside. And there's some, I think there is some safeness with Dwayne Haskins because I think he is a good system-type quarterback and should be that in the NFL at the very least. So... If Oliver wasn't here, I could lean towards Haskins. But he's here, and he's a blue chip player. In my opinion, I think honestly, I would I would take him top five in this draft if I if the Bengals own one of those picks. So being there at eleven is a no brainer to me. It's not we're not going to debate this too long in terms of why you know going to, in different directions in round one. We're it's going to get interesting from here on out because we're not filling a top need. I think in, in for this team, even though Oliver will play a lot for us. Yeah. So just to recap. As we're, we're, we are taking all, both of us are taking Oliver to recap how we got to this point, and and just so you know who's on on who's who's the top players available, who's picked is Kyler Murray, Quinnen Williams, Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, a surprise at number four to Oakland, Josh Allen to Tampa at five, uh, Jonah Williams to New York Giants at six, DK Metcalf to the Jaguars at seven, Devin White to Detroit at eight, Greedy Williams to Buffalo at nine, and Drew Locke to Denver at ten, and and. Denver likes Drew Locke, so I don't think this is crazy. <laughs> not the craziest thing. Different spots, but overall not crazy. So we're gonna let the first round roll, and we'll get back with the second round. And Joe is gonna be picking first between the two of us in the second. Wayne round. Haskins to the Miami Dolphins. There he goes. Paris Campbell, number seventeen to the New York Giants. That's a replacement for Odell Beckham. Woo. Hey, uh, <laughs> Who was uh, Paris Campbell threw a through the first pitch at a Reds game last week, and Tom Brenneman said, "For sure, first round pick Paris Campbell." So Tom Brenneman knows. Uh, other notable picks d- directly after Ed Oliver, T.J. Hawkinson, Dwayne Haskins, two other guys we were considering. Anybody else here off the board? Devin Bush goes to Pittsburgh, of course, at twenty. That's how it works. And look That's at Cody Ford, number 31 to the Rams. And I said this last week on the podcast. I do think Cody Ford can end up being in the back half of the first round. Yep. And if the Bengals like him, I wonder where they value him, if he's worth going to get. I wonder, too. Here we go in the second round. Let's let it roll. And I get the first pick this time, so no no copying me the way I copied you. Well, we'll see how it goes. Jeffrey Simmons gone with the first pick in the second round. Rocky Asin, the third pick. A.J. Brown, the fourth pick. And a lot of people this weekend I've seen are, are saying A.J. Brown is their favorite receiver in the draft. Uh, Draymond Jones goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dexter Lawrence to the Denver Broncos. Joe, you're up. Do you see your guy? One comment quick on A.J. Brown, I think he's the man, too. I mean, physical, and then run after the catch. I think he runs good routes. He comes back for the ball, fight for the ball. I think he's quicker than you, than you expect. He's going to be a good red zone guy. Um, I put him in the slot and let him dominate. I think A.J. Brown's going to be a really good receiver. So, so now we're on the clock, right? And we've already addressed defensive tackle. So I want to look at linebackers. I want to look at offensive tackles if possible. Top guy available is Mac Wilson out of Alabama. And this is becoming increasingly popular. If you look at this, this is a consensus board we're using, or a composite board. It uses, uses everyone's board. Mac Wilson is ranked 
57th on this board. We're picking 42. So we should almost at this point expect Mac Wilson to be there. And I wouldn't be surprised if a few guys that we've talked about go higher, Blake Cashman being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I look at that. Can you click on tackle for me and let me see real quick? Yeah. Uh, Caleb McGarry is rising, man. I did, there, was a, there was a time where I was like, no, he's definitely a guard and he's a mid-round pick. And then I think the athleticism profile matched with him being 6'7". People are going to look at his arm length and say, yeah, that's probably his only negative, and he's he's a really good player. And I think McGarry is somebody that uh, is going to go in this range. And honestly, I would consider him here. Um, I don't know who I'm picking. Do you, got, do you have a thought process on this? My thought process here is... I want to go best player available and I'm looking at these wide receivers that I think have fallen a little bit. I'm also looking at a quarterback in Daniel Jones in the second round that I think would be a reasonable option, but it's your pick. You got to go first. Yeah, I am. And I, I keep doing this. I think we did this in mock draft Monday and I'm going to go with it for now because I I think he won't be there in the third round. He's my favorite of the second tier linebackers. I'm going to go with uh, Blake Cashman out of uh, Minnesota. You're Blake Cashman. I was considering Blake Cashman Cashman there. I think that that is a reasonable place for him to go. I, however, am not going to draft for need. I'm going to assume that I can find fallers later. So I'm going to go with a guy that's been one of my favorites at the wide receiver position for most of this process, and that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. After running that 4-4-9 at the Stanford Pro Day, has absolutely outstanding ball skills. Great hands, huge catch radius. That's my guy. And I'll fill the needs in the in the third and the fourth, I guess, because I'm certainly not getting to them here in the second. You got to draft for the future as much as you have to draft for the present. Yeah, that's what they say. I was also considering Greg Little there. He goes a few picks later to the Atlanta Falcons. I was considering Debo Samuel. He goes the very next pick, I think, to the Detroit Lions. Caleb McGarry also went... Yeah, there goes Caleb McGarry. Daniel Jones to the New England Patriots, of course, of course. Mac Wilson, 31st pick in the second round, guys. Terry McLaurin, Patriots. Yeah, right before Terry McLaurin. Daniel Jones to Terry McLaurin. That's the future. I'm going to go to the third round where I have to pick first. That's right, you do. And I'm already hoping. I already got a guy eyed up, okay? And I'm hoping he's there in the third round. So as soon as you hit that start button, I'm going to be watching this like a hawk. Let's see if I have my guy. I have a couple guys. Okay, here we go. Yanni Kajust first off the board in the third round. I think third round value for Yanni Kajust is actually pretty good. Sure. I don't hate him. All right, so here we go. I am on the clock as the Bengals. I'm looking at linebacker and tackle primarily. Jermaine Pratt is there. Bobby Okarecki is there from Stanford, a guy that's grown on me since uh, Vance Meek introduced him to me this week. Ben Kervin is there. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. At tackle, I'm looking straight at Titus Howard and Max Sharping. Those are the primary considerations for me at this point. Not really you know looking who, at any of these edge guys. You know who really fits their linebacker profile almost exactly? And I posted Josh Oliver at tight end the other day. People really liked that. So as I'm building this, it's not done yet. Um, Sione Takitaki. Yeah. yeah. Six-round six guy, you think? He's almost exactly right in there. Uh, mm. Yeah, maybe. I think he's definitely day three. I just don't know. I mean, he tested well. So that can push those guys up sometimes. Yeah. For sure. So I am worried now at this point 
about tackle, I think, more than linebacker. I could get Chuma Adoga coming back in the fourth round, but that's a bit of a risk. There can be a run on tackles in the third round here. There could also be a run on on linebackers, but I feel better about the Drew Tranquil, Bember Kervin, uh, Bobby Okareki group being there. The day three guys, yeah. And, and at the top of round four than I do about getting my tackle in round four. So I'm taking Max Sharping. I think that's a fine pick for you to take, Max Sharping. I am going back to the defensive line, and I'm going to fill it out and round it out. The more Bengals bring in edge guys, the more interested I've been in the position. Really uh, pounded it out the last you know, last week. I've, I've watched him. He's listed as a defensive lineman for you, Jake, as you're flipping through. And it's Iowa's Anthony Nelson. Yeah. I'll tell you about Anthony Nelson. Yeah, Six, he looks seven, good. 271. I'm going to call him the day two Rashawn Gary, and don't be surprised if he has a better career than Rashawn Gary. Relative athletic score, 9.23. So he's a very, very athletic guy at 6'7", 271. Uh, His cone and shuttle, a 6.95 for the cone, a 4.23 for the shuttle, are in the 90th percentile. Is that pro day or combine? Uh, Combine. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, it's even better. And and let me tell you about him, okay? So uh, 37 games played. And remember, I talked about Gary, 34 games played. 23 tackles for a loss for Gary. 31 tackles for a loss for Nelson. Gary had 9.5 sacks in his career. Nelson had nine and a half last year. He's at 23 over his career. Very yeah. similar player. Can kick inside, but can can rush from the edge also. He disrupts a lot of plays in the yeah. run game, too. I so, like that pick. Uh, Anthony Nelson, I'm going to take him, and he may split time with uh, with Dunlap or Lawson, whoever you need. He may replace Jordan Willis as that rundown end. He's kind of really going to be what Kerry Wynn is, go, is now, but in the future and much more, I mean, of everything. He's, he's To me, I, I think I would definitely take this pick. Yeah. He, he had the same competition as Rashawn Gary, too, when you talk about Rashawn Gary. So on we go into the fourth round, and Joe, you're going to be on the clock after we let the first few picks run. Hope your guy doesn't go. And your guy just went, I think. Did Will, was, Will, was Will Greer your guy? Because he just went right there to the Raiders, which I no. think is pretty interesting. I, I need a linebacker here. I watched PFF's uh, YouTube video. I think you reposted it with uh, Bruce Gadkowski, right? And he, yeah. they were analyzing Will Greer, and they compared him to... The, the bucket throws. Yeah, but they compared him to Derek Carr, which I think Carr is not a good deep thrower or an aggressive deep thrower, but it's interesting that he goes to the Raiders now to back up Carr. The the, the most interesting thing about that video to me was Bruce Gronkowski saying those bucket throws aren't there in the NFL. The windows are too tight. So the throws that he's good at deep that he made a lot, he's saying aren't available in the pro game. You know why? Because there's more stick throws. You don't get those easy being with the hash marks so wide in college. You get... What you end up with is the offense like will be all the way to the right side of the field, and you end up with a safety that's has so much ground to cover that those you know single high safeties can't get over to these deep throws on the far side of the field. So that I think that's what he meant. You just don't get them. And he also mentioned how those are thirty to thirty-five yards in in college, and they're forty to forty-five yards in the NFL for those deep balls. So uh, Will Greer, who has arm strength questions, uh, may lead you to believe those won't be there. Instead, in the NFL, what you need to do. Getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. You need to hit those stick throws over the middle between windows. And that's what Will Greer doesn't do. And that was the point of that video. It was a good video. Look it up on YouTube. Um, So now we're on the clock here. Bengals pick eighth in the fourth round again. I know where I want to go. I haven't gotten my offensive tackle yet. I would also consider Josh Oliver of San Jose State here. I think Oliver is exactly what the Bengals typically draft at tight end, and I really like him. So, But I think there's a few guys that if I don't take them, I can be more than happy with the next tier. I'm going to go back to tackle because I haven't taken one yet. I've gone defensive 
front seven, three picks in a row, really trying to build that defensive lineup and that and that defensive toughness up. Because I like the secondary for the Bengals. I think adding three picks to that front seven changes this team not only this year but in the future. Uh, I, th- I think I got three guys that are going to play in 2019. I'm going back to the offensive line. I'm getting a guy that can back up and be a swing tackle but has developmental upside, and that's Chuma Adoga out of USC. Long arms, athletic. Uh, he can back up left tackle, right tackle. I he needs work and he needs to add some some strength. And honestly, I've I've compared this before, and people probably hate it that he sounds like a, a Cedric Obwehi. But when you're getting him in the fourth round versus the first round, it becomes a, a that that dice you want to take another roll on it. And for me, that's Chuma Doga. He has the upside. Uh, that's what I want with this tackle pick is somebody that maybe he develops in two years and he's your starting left tackle. Maybe he's forced into play because Bobby Hart's stinking it up and he's got to play right tackle. Either way, I wanted to get a guy before round four was over. And I feel better about my guy in the third round being pressed into duty, especially early, than I do about Chuma Adoga. I do like Chuma Adoga, especially in the fourth. I, I would take Chuma Adoga in the third, and I think that might be where he's going. I, on I draft day. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, I think. But... I, of course, at this point need a linebacker. I'm considering Tavon Coney. I'm considering Bobby Okarecki from Stanford, who we haven't talked about very much on this podcast. I'm considering mm-hmm. Drew Tranquil. But my guy's there. Ben Burkirvin is there, and he's always there. And I don't know why he's always there. And, and may, maybe I'm just overrating him, right? Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, even right. though we're not seeing Devin White and Devin Bush's size liabilities, maybe since Ben Burkirvin isn't quite that level of athlete, NFL teams are like, you know what? You're too small. But for me, Ben Burkirvin was outstanding at Washington, especially as a cover player. He fits the weak side linebacker bill for me. And I feel like I've got a guy who's not that much worse off than Blake Cashman two rounds later. Yeah, and I think that's fair to say that he's, I think they're very similar players, to be honest with you. I just end up liking Cashman a little bit more because he hasn't played as much. And I think his progression is evident when you watch. And uh, I think there's much more to come from him. And that's why I decided to take him two rounds earlier than you did. I would say you definitely won on the value there on the, on the Adoga versus Max Sharping. Cause that's what you took. Um, I think we probably see this flipped on draft day. I wouldn't be surprised if Adoga went in the third round and Sharping was still there in the fourth. Although I don't expect it. I do think that's the range we should expect the Bengals to take an offensive tackle. Yeah, I think that'll depend on how NFL teams see Sharping coming from Northern Illinois in the MAC, the the smaller, not the smaller school necessarily, but the 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 lower level of competition versus Chuma Doga. Although Chuma Doga is in the Pac-12, so it's not like we've we talked right. about the quality of pass rusher in the Pac-12 being pretty weak, with only uh, really one or two guys really being draftable at the edge rusher yeah. position in all of the Pac-12. So uh, you end up with Ed Oliver, Blake Cashman. <laughs> Anthony Nelson and Anthony then Chuma Adoga. Chuma Adoga. So you he, don't you don't get you so so you still hit the needs, right? Neither of us hit a tight end in the first four rounds. So we're both we looking at tight end here in the fifth round, probably maybe maybe the sixth, but probably the fifth to fill that last kind of need we've talked about. But we both got Ed Oliver in the first. I think both of us hit a home run there. You got Cashman in the second. I went wide receiver. And this is the biggest difference in our draft, I think, is I, I've got the wide receiver and you've got Anthony Nelson. So you can compare yeah. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to Anthony Nelson one round later. And I still feel like I got a good enough linebacker who's going to be able to contribute at the very least special teams day one. I think Ben Burkirvin can probably start pretty early as well because he's got a ton of experience and especially has a ton of experience playing cover in a spread wide open conference in the Pac-12. 
Yep. So you're not just going to vote on Rashawn Gary versus Devin Bush in our, in our mock madness bracket. You're also going to vote to see who had a better draft out of Jake and Joe. And let me just say, Jake took a receiver in the second round. I'll find you a good receiver on day three. That's a guarantee. But I got a guy who I think is easy wide receiver too material. I think he could be. I agree. I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's a really good prospect. And, and that's why I almost didn't take a wide receiver in the second round, but I had to stick with the best player available option there. And maybe Blake, Blake Cashman might be your best player available in the second round. but No, he wasn't, but he's in the range. You know? so like, it's if I reasonable. Were to, I, yeah, I think he's going to go between 40 and, and 55. So when you compare Joe's draft to my draft, you're comparing taking Anthony Nelson in the third round, who I think is a very good player, and I like that pick, to – getting the package of Burke Irvin later, Sharping later. Sharping, I guess, in the third round instead. And we have Ed Oliver early, so why do we need a second defensive lineman already in the, in the third round? Well, I'm just adding more to it. You can never have too many defensive linemen. Let's turn a strength into a strength of the league, and let's, let's let it dominate up front. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I also just – J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has insane hands, insane catch radius, can run He routes. would be fun. He'd be fun. Yeah. I would take George. If they take JJ Arcega Whiteside at 42 on Friday night coming up, We're I'm happy. not going to complain. I like offensive weapons, number one. Number yeah. two, I'm going to say, well, I don't know what's going on with John Ross, AJ Green, or Tyler Boyd, but I like having this fourth receiver. I don't want to, I don't want to see Cody Core, Alex Erickson, and, and Auden Tate out there trying to run routes. Yeah, there you go. So we'll have those options available for you to vote on, see who did better in this version of Mock Draft Monday, the opposing dueling drafts through four rounds that's what you got coming up this I, week i won i i disagree i don't even respectfully respectfully disagree i just disagree <laughs> my friend it's okay to be wrong we're still friends go catch up on game of thrones will you yeah all right now right before yeah you got you got time right it's actually on i think uh actually as we're finishing recording this game of thrones is starting i gotta go where uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, I think, is the airtime. Okay. It's 6 o'clock my time. It must mean it's 9 o'clock your time. You're right. There you have it, Bengals fans. This week coming up, more draft coverage. If the Bengals do anything newsworthy, we'll talk about that too. And as always, we'll take your questions going into the weekend. This has been the Locked On Bengals podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.